Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drakvee, and we've got a pretty full table this week, but before we get into that, let's check in on my fellow hosts from the East Coast. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader, how was your week? Pretty good. Uh, it's been really busy. Uh, lots and lots of good. stuff to do, uh, but I have been filling it with magic-related things scratching that addiction well so i'm extremely Excellent. content good was it a good busy or bad busy uh, i mean a little of both it was, it was a my toilet was catastrophically malfunctioning busy for a while but that Ooh. has been fixed and the result is that i have a really really nice new toilet so i'm kind of okay with it now okay so it sort of paid off yeah ended up okay yeah all right, well, next up, we got our resident PDH PhD, Liam. What is the magic scoop for the week? Yeah, so last week we had a big story dump. Uh, this week I'm here to finish that story dump uh, on a bit of a depressing yes. note. A Johnny has <laughs> been revealed as a Phyrexian sleeper agent, and then his first wah, action wah. as a Phyrexian was to kill our beloved Jaya Ballard by knocking her off the mana rig. Ooh. Yeah, so they the, got to him, huh? So uh, there is a website where you can pay respects to Jaya, uh, and I'm sure I can convince <laughs> Brad to link that in the show notes if you would like to. Uh, you I know, could do that. Pay your respects. Yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. I know that uh, the uh, Johnny completion really bothered a whole lot of people. Yeah, uh, turns out when you take a, I, I don't know if Johnny had any of his own kids, but he definitely was more of a father figure to uh, yeah the, the, mm -hmm. the cats in his pride. Uh, it turns out when you take a character like that right after you did Tamiyo, it really bothers a lot of people. Because I believe both Tamiyo <laughs> yeah. and Ajani were adoptive parents in the war. Oh. And that just and they got him. stings. Yeah, I guess so. Well, on a on a brighter brighter note, brighter spot. <laughs> no, you're good. That's it was a, it's a good story. It was a good story to follow. I didn't even read most of it. I just sort of followed along with with Twitter reactions to the stories and I think that was just as entertaining. So <clears throat> it's all good. But yeah, we've got a uh, kind of a special episode this evening, sort of a double double crossover if you will. Uh, joining us tonight is Nero64, also known as Chev, from the Hex Drinkers podcast, where we were once a guest. And Chev helps maintain the Scryfall legality for the Pauper Commander format. And then he is also joined by C. Dingo, also known as Corey, from the Dark Confidants YouTube channel. Welcome to the show, fellas. Hi. Hey, happy to be glad. here. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely glad to have you on. Glad we could do like a like a big sort of group interview. <laughs> <laughs> extra chaos confirmed <laughs> yep and we're paying back the favor for having us on your show like two months ago i didn't get to be a part of that one so no we'll have to I, do another I can, uh, liam and i PDH review sometime yeah absolutely you can make it up now Dave. good times <laughs> and what you can make it up now yeah that's the plan yep. now's <laughs> your chance now now i get to hang out with chev and and cory yeah i, I yeah. uh I enjoy a lot of Corey's YouTube videos. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. There's Great a, content. There's a lot that involves bird horse, and I'm just... Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it warms my evil little heart. That was a fun deck to play. 
it it really weirdly is like it doesn't yeah. look like it will be it looks like it's just going to be really obnoxious but then it's yeah. actually very entertaining yeah it looks fun i have not played it played it or played against it but it looks it looks pretty fun this innocence yeah we uh we decided to we asked chev and Corey on the show to chat with us about probably the biggest and, and probably one of the best resources if you're a competitive pdh brewer uh similar to me but i'm not good enough to be competitive but i am a brewer uh it's sort of a one-stop shop it's a huge variety of competitive deck lists and they call it the budget brews deck database uh, we'll get into that a little bit more in depth here in a few minutes but as with all of our guests here on the pdh pod we like to sort of get into what brought you guys to the game, to Popper, to PDH specifically, or to the Commander's, you know, variants in the Commander format specifically. Uh, an MTG resume, if you will. And then, uh, Corey, do you mind starting us off? Uh, sure. So as far as Magic goes, um, kind of got into the game back whenever New Phyrexia first came out. I think that was what 2011 or so started playing sounds about right yeah started playing then just like typical kitchen table stuff sure never really got into any 60 card constructed formats or anything like that that much just played with my friends as my play group eventually got into regular commander uh started getting a little more into the competitive side of that and uh not too terribly long ago about a year and a half ago i guess at this point kind of found out about the pauper commander format and decided to give it a shot because was kind of looking for a change um i don't really go to like game stores to play so i'm typically playing with just my friends which mainly all the people who are on the dark confidants are youtube channels that we make right so our meta had kind of stagnated a little bit so pauper offered a little breath of fresh air if you will okay yeah not sure if uh, what else to really add on top of that. No, no, that, yeah. that's that's totally fine. What what sort of um, so it's more that that group uh, playing together, sort of kitchen table mindset that that brought you to the commander formats, the hundred card formats, as as opposed to like the more competitive sixty card, yeah, tournament based formats. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because I'm I have a competitive side in me. Obviously, I lean a little bit more towards that. I like to optimize my lists and everything. I like the multiplayer aspect of commander a lot and that's what keeps me in that format 1v1's fine i play a little bit on magic online mainly pauper there as well right but yeah the multiplayer aspect is definitely the biggest appeal uh to kind of keep me in the commander area okay and then do you sort of mix pdh and regular edh are you just a pauper pauper guy um a little bit of mix of both uh so we all you know we all have our own main commander decks that we play i play a niv mizzet perun deck that's kind of my go-to okay. mm-hmm. and that's why malcolm kettis was kind of the main thing that i played first when i came over to pauper because it was like niv mizzet at home in, in, a, in a sense <laughs> right yeah. felt very familiar so that's kind of why i gravi- uh, gravitated towards that when i started out but yeah we we kind of go back and forth obviously playing a little bit more pauper recently because recording games for the channel uh that kind of gets sure. priority yep that totally makes sense uh chev if if folks don't know from from your own podcast what what sort of brought you to the format to magic that sort of thing <laughs> and how did you get involved with scryfall yeah so um i started playing probably around the beginning of the Origins set i, I remember like dragons of tarkir was in stores when we just started buying like intro packs and things like that and mm-hmm. we 
started as a kind of, you know, similar to, to Corey's story of a group of friends around the kitchen table, leaned towards EDH first and played around with that. And PDH came up at a very early stage, just kind of in the back of our minds. Like we'd, we'd sometimes stop by the, the home base website because one of the, one of the other hex drinkers, Oakley, he had been for so long, very interested in making a gray merchant of Asphodel uh, PDH deck. And that sounded horrendous to the rest Ooh. of us. So we were kind of like keeping, right. <laughs> <laughs> keeping it away with a 10 foot pole uh, until the, the printing in Theros Beyond Death uh, was an uncommon and we couldn't ignore it any longer. Mm-hmm. And so we tried it, I think on, on episode two of the, the Hex Drinker podcast. And so we, we played it kind of in the background um, as a breath of fresh air to, to the, the regular EDH until probably sometime after that clay from the the tryhards reached out to us just from i think he did like a business word search and found other groups that were mentioning pdh and was trying to kind of grow the community around the the competitive side of the format and so oh, okay yeah we, we we found it that way we found the the original form of the database which was a word doc with a bunch of links to uh moxfield <laughs> and so we started playing that right. and yeah and that's that's kind of my my involvement kind of snowballed from there. Clay was also one of the people that was really pushing to get Scryfall to recognize Popper Commander as a format. So I, I'm software engineer by day, so did what I could to kind of put oh, that okay. list together. And so now Scryfall just checks like they do for some of these um, quote unquote smaller formats, checks a massive document to see what cards are legal, what cards are not, and updates it regularly. And then just trying to give back to the format as much as i can ever since sure sure no that totally makes sense uh we definitely appreciate everything you've done so far now did the 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 podcast the hex drinkers did that sort of spawn from your pdh from your love of the format or was it just you wanted to do a magic podcast so so the the podcast was kind of like a a sneaky attempt to make sure that all of my friends from back home as we went in our separate directions could kind of still have something that would bring us together every week and so we wouldn't kind of lose the bonds we had so me and nice. one of the yep. other co-hosts who runs the uh, the After Dark Hex Drinkers podcast, we were like, what can we do as an excuse to bring everyone together weekly? And the idea <laughs> of doing a podcast together, so we do that, and then we do quote-unquote research uh, a couple times a month as well, right. where we're playing <laughs> games and, and other stuff as well for you know the podcast. But that's where it started, yeah, and then of course. looking for new ideas, PDH came out, we, we tried building our own decks to start with, and found some of the pitfalls kind of organically that can come with some of the less tuned <laughs> pdh decks and uh have been growing sure. ever since which there are plenty of those yeah, the, the mid game <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well i get to uh i get the more casual questions today i'll let dave and liam get get the more involved stuff the, the next thing i was kind of wondering i know that you guys are always busy making content videos uh, doing quote-unquote research like you said <laughs> recording four podcast episodes in a day or what have you what are you guys currently playing right now is it all pdh is there a specific deck you're trying to like really focus on or are you just sort of all over the all over the map as it were Corey, uh what, what do you got oh yeah i mean primarily focusing on pauper pdh um like i said earlier uh we Kind of mix in normal commander just to break out those decks when we want to, but yeah. Sure. Focusing on Pulper Commander, I've I have a Sailor's Bane deck uh, waiting <laughs> to be recorded, but I've been uh, in the midst of a move, so everything's kind of been in flux uh, uh, for me recently. Yeah. But hopefully that's going to be settled here within the next uh, couple weeks, and I can start recording again. Yeah, right on. Still, also uh, 
some of our more recent episodes, I played a Bears Companion deck, and I don't know if it's a Lost Cause, but I feel like some there's a lot of potential there, so I'm still trying to explore that uh, when I have some time. Oh, please don't tell me it's a Lost Cause. I've been want- I've been trying to theorize and brew that commander for, <laughs> for it feels like forever, but I just cannot come up with a solid list. For I it. have some ideas, but I I just need to play test a lot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that about- that boils down. Yeah. I've got some bad news about that commander too, Brad. Oh no! Can't believe no one is using my extremely established and well-respected Bears companion list as a guidepost (laughs) for this. (laughs) What I mean as a guidepost, a warning sign. (laughs) Warning sign. Are you telling me that a deck with grizzly bear and forest bear and bear cub can't be competitive? (laughs) I I think it's more of a danger sign. Yeah. Let's let's pump the brakes here. Danger, loose footing ahead. I run (laughs) Venerian gold in the deck. Because it's got a bear on it. <laughs> yep. Hey, bear tribal. What about you, Chev? What are you currently playing? Yeah. So, um, in in PDH world, I I sort of manage the Dusk Mental Guild Mage Persistent Petitioners list on the uh, database. So I've been doing a bit more play testing with that, trying to figure out you know with any of those sort of relentless rats or um, uh, w- more than one uh, more than one of any card kind of decks what is the right, right. number uh-huh. like figuring out what is the ratio tweaking the the exact number of petitioners how quickly can we get to mill and what are the best lines so that's that's the more you know in-depth sciencey approach and outside of that for sure. for some EDH I've been really playing with the <laughs> the street fighter uh, Blanca, ferocious friend, who's whenever you target him with, nice. <laughs> uh, whenever they get targeted by a spell, deal two damage to everyone and get plus two plus two. So kind of this uh-huh. weird gruel storm um, that is that's been pretty fun. Nice. And otherwise, I I m- made a proxy version of Oyam and Artuk, Polar Werebear from the uh, recent Balder Legends uh, online arena thing. It's, it's got the, it's got a, a spell book of 15 fish and you pay a mana and uh-huh. you sacrifice a food and you draft a fish. And just the idea of a polar bear, like <laughs> picking up some, some blue fish, anything from, you know, like a coral reef to a Nezahal, just, just, it's just fun. Rip yeah, yeah. Out of the ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We were, that, that kind of went around on, on the Twitter and I think Liam and I even talked about it and uh common commander for sure about possibly proxying up some of those spell book uh uncommons for pdh yeah. what was that one it's like and, something and spender um i know i was looking at that too for a little bit oh big, yeah, spender. big spender right yep yeah something like that would be pretty fun the it i think the hard part obviously would be like the spell mm-hmm. book or whatever to get right but still i think it could be fun either way i mean the the spell book is easy enough to to do in paper you just have to have multiple copies of each card yeah which you know can be tricky but yeah you know, sure. it, as long as you're not using that spell book that has like tropical island in it, you should probably be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, my one friend uh, is doing has an uh, Ishkana deck that he was really upset didn't get a, a new card in uh, Midnight Hundo Crimson Vow, but got one on Arena. Uh, so he updated the commander from old Ishkana to the new one. I made him a a proxy for that, oh, and awesome. the whole spell book. Like every card in it was like fifteen cents, except for one was like three dollars. Yeah. So he's got yep. one copy of that one and three of all the others. And watching him play it in Commando, it works just fine with three copies. He never has more than that because of the randomness. So yeah. So Liam, I think actually uh, some screenshots of your ruling or or discussion of spellbooks made the rounds on the the Hex Drinker server when I was starting to make the uh, Oh Yeah, okay. an deck and and. I think it was uh-huh. kind of we talked about it a little bit on Twitter, and I was like, "Boom!" Official judge ruling: 
on all these things. Oh, we can do it. No, no, stop. <laughs> this is not an official judge ruling of a reader cards and paper. Stop. <laughs> it's just my I recommendation. I tag Liam in on Twitter every every chance I get. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like it's like it's like I I see like you know I get these notifications which just at Papa Command and you know sometimes I'm like okay those ones I can wait but if it's like at Papa Command eyeballs question I'm like oh gosh I gotta go check this one being summoned <laughs> yeah you got to know how to craft the notifications yeah. so they get answered right away I I have a really weird follow up to the persistent petitioner if I can interject Ooh, yeah. for like ten seconds yeah and that is. I have been doing similar experiments with the marsh crocodile list and trying to figure out exactly how many ninjas I want to run. And it's a little different because like, yeah. you know, that each, each ninja is different, but I still, I can run, there's a wide variety of ninjas that could be in there and getting the right mm -hmm. number is tricky. And the thing that has mm -hmm. been helping me do that science lately is not by looking at the ninjas themselves, but by looking at which cards I would otherwise cut for the ninja. Yeah. And then I'll slide a little sticky note into that sleep mm -hmm. that just says, am I sad this card isn't Nizumi Skull Snatcher? Yeah. <laughs> and no, that it's... way, like every time okay. I draw it, I can, I can be evaluating that question. Cause it's, it's not about like, you know, you draw your 15th land and you're like, Oh man, I wish this land in particular was a ninja. Like that's not helpful. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to, Right. You're not going to cut like that. that specific land for the ninja. You you might cut. Yeah, it, that happens like, every game. Right, but like if you're if you're if there's a one specific card you want, mm -hmm. then you yeah. can be like, is am I sad that this one isn't a petitioner's? That's that's been helping me do do my, my okay. deck science. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great idea because most of the time I'm doing you know like uh, gold fishing online and stuff and not using the the paper copy and so oh, that works great for for paper. Um, and of course, anything where you have like one-offs where you can kind of just keep like a note of those transitions. Uh, what mm -hmm. I've, what I've really been using currently is like all down to, you know, how quickly before I can get four on the field and start doing their, their actual ability. Cause you know, you can tap them right, you know, right. for like three cards or right. tap four of them for 10. And you're like, okay, this is clearly what I'm trying to get to. So when I have a card in hand, I'm like, would I be better off with another copy of this petitioner or like is is having these things uh, worth the extra turns it takes to get there? So it's definitely a bit of a quasi science too, because uh, I can't mm. put that that sticky on. But I, <laughs> I love that idea for paper. Well, so for online, could you switch the artwork for a single basic? Potentially, I'm not familiar with that uh, with that interface. I know you can do that on Arena, but yeah, I, I don't think know if you can do that. What we what you could really do with, <laughs> funnily enough, with all the secret layer printings. I think what you could do in some of the things is if you change each of your persistent petitioners to one of the secret persistent petitioner yeah. cards that's been going out in <laughs> the secret layers, you can then <laughs> identify them individually as opposed to just parts of a whole. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, and Playtesting on Moxfield, you can switch the printing of a single yes. card if you... You, the deck um... will skyrocket in price, but for, for science, <laughs> it's <pretty laughs> Yeah. Science knows no bounds. Totally going down a uh, rabbit hole on the uh, secret layer petitioners. It seems like they've ended that because one of the uh, recent oh, layers yeah. to have come out has a Shadowborn Apostle in it. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this week in Magic News. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All about petitioners. Now that we have gotten to the bottom of these rabbit holes, I think that <laughs> I think that right now is a perfect time to transition into the reason that we wanted to talk to the, the two of you in the first place. Not that we don't love your yeah. company. <laughs> I'm a big fan. But I have some very specific questions. But we need to use you for content. Exactly. Of that course. too. So we are here today to talk about the competitive Popper EDH deck database. 
from Budget Brews. Can I just start by asking one of you, what is a deck database? Let's let's ask Corey. Sure. It's a list of decks uh, that have been, I guess, vetted in a sense uh, by a deckless committee, uh, which uh, Chev and I are part of. And the decks have been deemed to be competitive in the pauper format. Uh, I guess that's the high level explanation of what exactly it is. Okay. Yeah. And and so like there's a and to be defined as competitive, there's a, a list of rules that we try to follow, which is uh, along the lines of, you know, is this deck trying to win at every opportunity? Are we not just running spells because there's bears on them? Um, you know, uh, it, it kind of things where it's like... It, Whatever are you yeah, talking about? Do these card choices make sense? Uh, if we if we look at the deck on like Moxfield or something, is there, you know, tags or a primer that can explain how this wins? Uh, are you running the, the best cards of the type? And so while a large part of the deck database is the, um, you know, the final list that you can find on Budget Brews, uh, and those sites as well. It, it's also the process to make a deck competitive, which is a, a big part of the uh, the the rule or sorry the uh, the role that um, Corey and I are on for the committee is trying to help the deck be as powerful as possible. Okay, so that that's something that I feel like we should explore a little bit more while I have you here. This isn't like a yes or no verdict. This is a conversation. Yes, uh, yep. it it it's there will be a yes or no verdict at the end. Uh, there are some commanders that, you know, Shocker are probably not going to be good enough to be seen as competitive in a lot of different places, regardless of how well you build the deck, because as we all know in PDH, a uh, commander is going to be a very big part of a lot of the strategy. Uh, but we do That's try to do... Path rule mode. Yes, yeah. We, we do try to do everything we can to get a deck as competitive as possible while also maintaining the spirit of the creator too, because you could always just slot in the best cards. But this is about, you know... A large part is, can we involve the community in creating a source of competitive decks? And so how do we complete your vision to the most competitive form it can be? And does that stand up against the rest of the stuff in the database? Awesome. A couple of weeks ago, we had Crash join us on the show to talk about his tier list. Can I get one of you to describe to me what is the difference in your mind between the deck database and the, and a tier list? Uh, maybe, maybe I'll send this one back to Corey. Mm -hmm. The obvious thing is that there's no rankings. On the deckless uh, database, um, you know, tier list, you try to break it down between power level, uh, what's tier one, tier two, etc. With the deckless database, we're trying to just focus on what can be considered competitive, not really worried about where it sits in terms of like tiers or anything like that. You know, that's the most obvious kind of difference between the two. Um, probably the main difference, I would say as well. Yeah, I, I would also make sense. I would add on that, you know, this this is largely the decks are being sourced from the, the community. And so people are submitting their deck lists uh, and then they're kind of being all evaluated to this, like like Corey mentioned, sort of <laughs> nebulous competitive label um, where we're, we're kind of seeing they could all kind of stand toe to toe to a certain extent, as opposed to the much more controlled structure that I think I've come to associate with the tier list personally of, you know, constantly going through and seeing which deck is at the top, which decks are the, the mid performer of the competitive level and all that. This is much more like, yeah, you know, we, we want to take a strategy and find a way to, could this fight even a Tatiova deck in a pot of four where, you know, you have a little bit more chaos because it's not exactly 1v1. And so a matchup doesn't have to be exact. Right. Tell me about... If you don't mind... Go ahead. No, I was just going to, you know, if you don't mind if I jump in real quick, do you guys or... 
when these decks, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this probably a little bit later. Um, I don't see a specific question for, it, but it's just something that popped up whenever someone submits decks or when decks make it to the database, they find, you know, they get that final. Yes. Do you guys play test them? Do you get your hands on them and sort of run them through some, some pods, if you will, or is it like, like what are the metrics, I guess, of this is competitive versus, eh, need some more work sort of thing. I'm asking for a friend whose name is Bear's Companion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do take bribes. Um, we take all the okay, Perfect, perfect. Uh, PayPal works. I'm on Zelle. Uh, right. Let me just jot that down real quick. I've been doing this for free. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I've been missing out. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, as far as what I do, um, I know this is probably going to be... A, uh, we'll probably get into this a little bit later um, as far as like yeah. how the submission periods went and everything like that. That's more. Yeah. That ended up being a, a much more in-depth question than I intended. To yeah. No, no problem. Um, I'll jump ahead to that just a bit because it kind of ties into the question, I guess, as I mentioned, I was going through a move recently, so I was a little bit um, less available with this latest submission period. Sure. But as far as the testing that I would do, I would at least try to goldfish the deck as many times as I possibly could. Comparing that to see, you know, how fast I can assemble a combo, if it's a combo deck, um, if it's more of an aggro deck, uh, how the board state kind of develops, stuff like that. Uh, just going through a couple of test rounds um, and restarting the process. Obviously, going over the primer uh, helps with that as well. Um, but yeah, it, at least goldfishing a considerable amount just to see how the deck plays, what you expect to see in the opening hands, stuff like that. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. And um, there are a, a lot of submissions that are now coming from the various CPDH leagues that I think are being run largely through the tryhards, but I know other people are involved in keeping uh, mm -hmm. a massive amount of metadata as well. And so these decks are coming to us with, you know, 10, 20 games played, uh, how well they perform. There's, there's graphs and stuff as well that have been created too, <laughs> as part of this massive sort of like data collection of competitive PDH. And so the the goldfishing and, and all that helps. And then you can also see uh, if this person is involved in the greater community, how is the deck actually performing? Because usually submission to the database is not the first stop uh, that some of the, the members of the committee sure. are seeing the deck. So sometimes you can really see a deck racking up the numbers before it even kind of comes to our door. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, thanks. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And back to you, Dave. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw us off too much. No, no, you're, you're, you're perfect. I was just... Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what I was about to say, and it, I think it's just completely gone, <laughs> which is totally fine because <laughs> the next question I wanted to ask is better anyway. Okay, can you give us a little bit of the history of the the database, like where it came from, how it started? Jeff, you'll probably be <laughs> the better one to answer this. Yeah, so I feel like I haven't been involved with it as as long. Uh, there was this this dark book that we thought <laughs> might have come to us Ooh. from a demon spawn or something. Uh, it, it, okay, it had perfect. a list of the names of commanders. Tatiova was on there. Uh, Kedis was on there. And it just said kind of include these or perish. Uh, so that's kind of it started out of fear. <laughs> uh, otherwise, some people might say it, it started from a word doc that I think Clay and the tryhards were largely keeping him and uh, Papa Popper, I think, are the two people that I see kind of yeah. interfacing uh -huh. with it the most. And so what what they would do is and this is when we first found it uh, when we were playing CPDH with with so many years ago. 
as in one. It was just a list of all these links to Moxfield, <laughs> and then people would be kind of talking about a list. And if it was performing well in in their like daily game nights or whatever, then it would kind of be added to this document. But a Word doc is not a great way to kind of you know promote a, a format you want more people right. to enjoy. <laughs> so uh, I know right. Clay is good friends with Tim. And Tim runs the uh, budgetbrews.club website, which is largely for budget CEDH decks uh, as kind of a way to, you know, you want to play that super high level of game, but on a much lower budget than all your dual lands, et cetera, et cetera. And we were able to create a pauper section on budgetbrews.club for CPDH decks. And that was kind of the, the biggest step in evolution where now it's on a website. You can view it. You don't need to get sharing permissions from a Google Drive. Um, and it's in a nice sort of format where you can see the name of the deck that's created by the person who kind of uploads it and submits it. Uh, a link to the deck list on Moxfield, the colors, and a little bit more of an in-depth kind of breakdown of, of what's available. And so that's kind of been okay, the, that makes the progression sense. I, so far. Yeah, that I, I I don't know if I've just missed that part when when listening to the Hex Drinkers show, but I, I didn't realize that the the Budget Brews website was also not your creation. You know what I mean? I thought that like I thought that you guys started it because of the the database sort of thing. Yeah, no, it's it's I mean, you want to try CEDH, it's a it's a great place to go if you want to spend less than $2000 on a deck. <laughs> but it, it was a very big <laughs> and vibrant community for this a similar reason, similar use case, trying to be a place where uh, users can submit their own CEDH decks through a very streamlined submission process that has a similar structure of people kind of going over a deck. Is this good for the various different uh, budget levels they have on there? And we're we're just starting to kind of get up that structure uh, and all of that to kind of get uh, CPDH decks submitted um, and kind of shown in a similar way to kind of, you know, fight with the, the bigger hundred card formats. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, it's fantastic. You guys are doing great work. Quick follow up to that. Um, where do you see this thing, this project going in the future? Like, uh, do you, if you, if you imagine the deck database in five years or so, two years, five years, an amount of time, what, what kind of things do you imagine being different about it? Or what kinds of things would you like to see change about it, if anything? Or what what do you hope stays the same? Corey, what are your uh, dreams um, and aspirations? <laughs> nothing really changing um, from what it currently is. I mean, I think as of right now, it's in a pretty good state. The one thing I would like to see added, and that I'm kind of trying to help with as well, kind of behind the scenes, is just more metrics mm-hmm. on the format. Metagame yeah. data, you know, list of staples taken from the deck list on the database, uh, stuff like that. Just a little bit more information on the format as a whole as what we'll hopefully see, hopefully soon, sooner rather than later, I would say. Now, sort of tangentially related to that, is there a way like outsider, like PDH players, outsiders that are just, you know, playing their spell table pods and doing this and that, or maybe even getting together in person, is there a way for them to share their data, their, their win rates, their deck list, you know, that sort of thing that can be added to this whole process or is, you know, where do, where does most of that data come from, I guess is what I'm saying. It, it can't just be like leagues, you know, because there's not a ton of leagues, right? So a, a lot of the data collection comes from the tryhard community and basically running games in their server like night in, day in and day out. Um, and so there are okay. some leagues that go on, but I, I believe there's a form 
um, that they use to kind of submit the data into like a massive just churning of like how many games has a deck played, what percentage does it win, how many times does the player who goes first win versus the second, and all that stuff. So I know it's slowly being streamlined more, and and kind of what parroting off what uh, Corey said, I think that is the the largest place for the the database to grow. Uh, one of our our most yeah I believe so. One too. of our most recent things though too is uh, now you can just submit a deck directly from the site. You don't have to go through the the Discord channel. So that was a big one where we now get notifications whenever there's a submission. And we're moving to a uh, rolling submission period. So it's no longer, you know, four times a year. You got to remember to get your competitive deck in on time. <laughs> it's just submit and we'll get a notification. And then within, you know, 24, 48 hours, we'll have the, the committee looking at it and trying to help uh, bring it to that point. And there's also... So, okay, great. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> real, real, two, two quick interruptions here. That sounds great as, as someone who went through the submission process last year in it with uh you know very like interval thing like the the you have to submit between these yeah. in this set of weeks was was a little i i won't say frustrating because i think frustrating is too negative but it seemed a little like limiting yeah. i guess um so that that seems like a great plan i guess my my other follow-up to that is uh if this is going on outside of the discord channel how do you have these conversations with between between the I'll, I'll say the, the the referees? Yeah, uh, this, this is my my <laughs> the, the my academic base. journal publishing <laughs> side coming out. You you have your journal referees and you have mm-hmm. your your the, the 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 deck author, and you're saying you know revise and resubmit. Here's here's the edits that I would like to see. Here's mm-hmm. what I'd like to see you explain in more depth in your primer. Like where are these conversations happening if someone is just doing a submission like through the website? So uh, what we, there, there is the unfortunate truth that yet, yeah, like, yes, these conversations are still happening through Discord. And in the, the submission oh, okay. form, we do ask for your Discord handle so we can kind of reach out and pull you into the, the thing uh, so we okay. can still sure. have those conversations. <laughs> With the kind of the understanding that, like, it doesn't necessarily, if you submit your deck, somehow you've stumbled across the Bear Companion strategy that will take out any other deck that exists <laughs> um, and Tell you me. don't have a Discord and you submit it, like... You'll still, the deck will still be looked at, um, but it, it would be kind of, if you're not willing to kind of engage in the process, kind of uh, for now meeting us on on our turf of the uh, Budget Brews Discord, then it'll just be the the big old yes, no gladiatorial style of like, sure. is, can okay. this deck function on its own? So we don't want to disclude it, but we, we definitely want to still have that conversation to make sure that people know, especially like if they're not coming from almost the feeder program of these uh, these leagues and nightly <laughs> games and et cetera, that like this is what the, the current meta for at least what we've experienced in CPDH looks like. And how does your deck stack up against, you know, other decks that you're going to be kind of coming, seeing across the table? <laughs> I see. I see. The other real quick follow up I wanted to do is about the, the Tryhards data collection. That is a giant Google Doc spreadsheet that is pinned on one of the channels in the Discord, the, the Tryhards Discord server. And uh, there's a, the, the front sheet of the spreadsheet is just a place where you can record games. Mm-hmm. Say, here, here were the, the four different commanders that were played and the deck archetype. Uh, and then you can, you can there's, a, there's a column where you can record who won and how many turns it took. So that's the data that's being collected. But then behind that, there's, you know, a bunch of different sheets yeah. that are all like, processing this data and like running formulas and and percentage and stats on all of this uh this data to create some more metadata and use that i love the tool the the i think the most important data that we could be collecting and i'm not sure how to do this but i want to do it is i want to look at how much interaction goes Mm -hmm. at each 
individual player. Yeah. Because I feel like the 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 I feel like the the big thing that's missing from the what decks are good strategy is this idea of like, well, Tatiova lost and Sky Knight Vanguard won. So Sky Knight Vanguard is the the better deck, and you yeah. go like, well, okay, like Tatiova <laughs> ate thirteen yeah. pieces of removal right. and sixteen counter spells, and mm-hmm. Vanguard got like you know terrored once and recast for for four, and like that was it. So like that's and again, I don't know how to process this, but like yeah, that's like, that's the data that I really testing. really want to yeah. see. And I don't know how to get that into the spreadsheet, but that's <laughs> moving forward. That's what I want. So uh. So, I, if you guys are comfortable, could we do a, a little reveal on your your podcast? Because Corey and I yeah. have a, a, a secret. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely. Been worked on. So if the if the the method oh. that um, of accessing that data sounded like it was a bit of a challenge to get to the the tryhards, find their Discord server, get in, find the pinned list or whatever, uh, what some some members of the tryhards uh, have been working on uh, in conjunction with other members of the the committee and stuff is the new website uh, cpdh.guide. And if you go there, it links back to the Budget Brews list of all the decks under one of the tabs. It has all the metadata on a different tab in nicer, easier to read graphs all by themselves. You can kind of uh, pursue that information and learn as much as you can and pull from it and kind of as a a better hub for all of this stuff. Because I'm sure the people listening so far, you know, we're talking Budget Brews Discord. We're talking uh, Tryhards Discord. We're talking all these other places. And so at least for... um, this this side of the the competitive uh, popper sphere, this website has been put together to kind of coalesce all of it into one place for people that are looking to to kind of explore. So that is the next step for for the the, the database in the uh, foreseeable future. <laughs> I love it. That is fantastic news. Yeah, that'll come in very handy. I, that actually, I, right before we started recording, I was having a Discord chat with somebody who we were talking PDH. I've known him for a couple of years, just online or what have you. Uh, it's one of my Brazilian popper mm. buddies. And they were asking, he, he's kind of been out of the 60-card popper scene for a while, but he was asking about PDH. He was like, hey, can you recommend me a PDH deck? And I'm like, well, I know you're a Tron player, so we don't really, <laughs> we don't, we don't really have that. Uh, what, what are some Dare other choices, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? And he was like, well, I like, you know, my other choice would be blue-black. Mm. So I ended up <laughs> sending him like 15 minutes worth of messages about this blue-black deck and Rilsa and Armix and, you know, all these different decks in the tier list and the, talking about the, um, the the database and stuff. And if from what you were just saying, I could have just sent him the link yeah. <laughs> to the guide and been like, here you go. This is what we have. I will help you brew something. But if you're looking for something that you can just put together right now and build it and play it. Yeah. Here's a link. Go go eat. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, because that's the biggest thing, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have have seen this too. Is like, how do you convince people to to play the format? How do you pull them in? What's the easiest entry point? And uh, as we're all doing our you know YouTube channels and podcasts and all the stuff that I I have to imagine is bringing more and more people in excited people into the format. It also helps to have sure. the resources that exist and you know links to the other resources and an, an easier starting gate is kind of where all of this goes. And that's also with the the database of you know moving like like uh like you said earlier um moving from having those those periods where you have to kind of get your deck done in time or it won't make it to you know a submission on a website and so just like clearing all barriers to entry we all want to be competitive and we all want to have a a good time doing it i really love this uh cpdh guide i just i can't help but notice that there's uh there's no links to the pdh pod 
which feels a little weird. Probably, <laughs> probably just a, probably a little oversight. Like it's probably not. I'm sure it's a work I, I, in progress. I'm sure Clay's working on it right yeah, now, yeah. and it, it'll be in the next I, uh, iteration. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what's going to happen is it's going to be there by the time this episode gets published, and then I'm going to look like the idiot. <laughs> Man, should have just kept my mouth shut. No, no, that's it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great point, and uh, it's kind of it's still in a little bit in beta. We've been trying to kind of push it forward, and then. Uh, uh, make sure that like it's at a place where it's good to show off because you don't want to kind of have something that's like half working and then show and then get people like worried about, you know, uh, uh, does it work? Does it not? Is this the best that they can do? So, I mean, you slip something under the table, you'll be up there tomorrow. But normally there's a week <laughs> waiting period, et cetera, et cetera. What, was, what was that PayPal information? <laughs> yeah. Send it to Corey. It sounds like around. he hasn't been uh, as corrupt as me. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, you got to get in on this. See I where the action is. Clearly do. <laughs> yeah. You're missing out. Well, that's that's uh, the last of the uh, the questions that I had for you guys. I'm going to turn things over to Liam. Yeah. So what is your submission process for the database like? Because I'm a big data person, and I know Alk was talking about like getting a, a data point on you know, how much interaction was pointed around, but, you know, there's also a lot of other data points, like, you know, who was the starting player? Uh, did they have any key staples in play during the game? Uh, you know, how many times was each commander cast? Because, you know, Tatiova costs five, but, you know, other commanders cost two, maybe three mana, so they kind of get, like, an extra cast in there. Uh, so, you know, when when you're thinking about collecting all these data points, you have to, you know, ask the players to submit that stuff. So what's what's that look like? Corey, do you want to uh, take first swing? Yeah, I mean, as far as submitting the data, um, I think it's uh, mainly just through that Google Doc that's in the Tryhards Discord as far as, you know, the metadata. I don't think we have anything in place right now in terms of, like, how many times a commander was cast, so that's a yeah. very good mm-hmm. thing to add in. But for the data you, you do have now, it's just you're just going to that Google Doc and submitting? Anyone can do that? As far as I know, I haven't tried it myself, um, but that's because I haven't really been able to play any online games but yeah as, as far as i know that's the process okay and yeah. what oh sorry go ahead uh, j- just kind of uh jumping back into to what we were talking about earlier there's all the metadata that's collected on the the tryout server that we talked about is kind of going into some of these decks we're seeing uh for the actual database itself we don't require uh, a lot of that kind of stuff for the submission we're more focused on kind of what i i, I mentioned a little bit earlier of you know including all the most competitive cards uh, including a strategy that makes sense, being able to outline it in the primer, and more of those fluffy isn't the right word, but more of those like qualitative points as opposed <laughs> to quantitative. And then from there, uh, all the data that you can provide, some people will link YouTube videos of the deck in action in there, and that's always helpful to watch and like see how it performs. Okay. Any other data they feel like representing, so it's kind of like put as give us as much data as possible, and it will help. But the the database committee itself is largely focused on the qualitative criteria of it and then the more quantitative we have the better okay so what would you recommend people avoid when submitting data i mean uh to the to the database you were talking about like you know youtube videos help but like what what kind of things like just don't help at all like like do you do you get a submission and you look and you're like not another brush fire elemental deck (laughs) or whatever you know (laughs) are there just pretty much like rules of thumb to avoid as far as like yeah. getting your deck approved for com- the competitive database yeah i i would say the the biggest things is kind of while we are open to the community and we're, we're creating this massive database of these decks that like we want everyone to kind of feel a, a sense of responsibility for mm-hmm. we don't want the database to be the first stop for your deck like we don't want someone to be like oh i have an idea 
put it together in a hundred cards and then immediately send it, send it to us. Cause we're only five people. We probably have deal with, you know, yeah, uh, and that's what Moxfield's for. Exactly. And, and so, you know, like we're, we're not here to, to try and, you know, okay. Uh, you picked a bunch of commons and like, you're missing a lot of removal. Like we're, we're not here to kind of, you know, show you the, the ropes of the game for the most part, at least in this submission period, like budget Bruce has tons of places as does tryhards, as does the home base. There are so many places to kind of try a deck, learn, critique it. And we're hoping that you've kind of put that foot in first. So that is kind of the, the first thing. And then the second is lack of information about the deck. Cause even if we're saying, you know, we're not looking for massive metadata, we're not saying the deck has to be played a hundred times and you have to slave away for at least a hundred hours to kind of show it to us, the the holy database gods or something ridiculous. We're, we're more saying like, <laughs> w- we still see decks that don't come with any primer or any tags or anything. And you're like, okay, uh, this commander seems potent, but like, how do you see this deck performing? How do you think it's going to win? Right. And so that kind of base understanding of like, this is my best approach of how this deck kind of functions. I've tried it. Like this is what other people have thought. And like, here is what I would like to submit as a competitive list, as opposed to just a a bunch of commons that come together and, and kind of like make us do the brunt of the work. Cause we're here to help, but we don't want to kind of like start from scratch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're not, you're not in the business of holding the hand through the uh, data collection process. You want them to have already done that. Right. Yeah. Like we're even if you know we're we're trying to make sure that everyone who wants to submit can, but we definitely don't want to be the one who's like, well, you know, you're not running counterspell or you're not running yeah. like these these format staples where the yeah. first post on a submission is going to be like, take out these thirty cards, input these thirty cards. Like we're hoping for more, you know, nuanced discussion of the meta in those channels, or you know, can we make this this loop of if you're running like thermopod or high tide or any of the the classic combos, like. How can we make this slightly more efficient? And that sort of conversation is what we're looking to have. Right. What, what you don't want is like when I personally get on Moxfield and I have an idea for a commander and I quickly type up, you know, 100 cards and I throw the, or 99 cards and I throw the commander in there and I, you know, I hit save or whatever and I look at it. I'm like, yeah, that's a badass deck, even though I've never played it. <laughs> yeah. Time, yeah, yeah. time to ship it over to the database. We're, looking, we're not like, looking for, drunk, for. Uh, drunk submissions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's a different website. <laughs> okay. So then when you're, when you're asking people to collect all this data, what's the easiest way for them to tell that, you know, their brew is competitive? I mean, other than the the fact that you know you shouldn't be running like ten nine drops, <laughs> yeah, you know like what what kind of cards stand out or maybe what strategies stand out over others. Rest in peace again, Pathraiser Vulamog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. there you go. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing there would be taking some time to look at what's already kind of established as being considered competitive in the format. Looking at the common cards across multiple lists that would give you a good idea of um, what the kind of good staple cards to run even if they aren't involved in a combo just good ones to have and you know on to the point of combos like that again kind of seeing what similar combos uh decks are running if it's a combo deck um, if it's more leaning into aggro what type of creatures are being used to pressure life totals you know just taking some time to familiarize yourself with existing lists will get you pretty far along the way i believe and uh something else to to kind of going back to the data that's collected and on the uh cpdh guide website something that's been noticed in at least the last like couple months is the average turn count of a cpdh game has gone down from 12 turns to 10 um so certainly you know turn count isn't the best way to kind of describe uh, how powerful your deck is but knowing that the average game lasts 10 turns can be something helpful too to just be like okay how quickly can i expect my deck to perform 
because that's kind of like what the level right. we're at now. And and the other way is, you know, this database is we're, we're, we're collecting all these decks, but we're not just storing them in a vault. Uh, so right. one of the best <laughs> ways to test would probably like go go grab a couple lists from there, find one you like, uh, play against your friends and, you know, see how your deck does or or bring it out at one of the other game nights that's being hosted and, and see, you know, how it's performing and guaranteed in any game you play uh, in one of the kind of established CPDH communities, whether it's uh, over on uh, the home base or over tryhards or budget brews, whatever, um, there's going to be someone who tries to like stay after and talk to you about the glories of CPDH and how you could probably make your deck a little bit better. So it's, it's kind of, we're, we're trying to provide as many resources sure. as possible to, you might think your deck's competitive. That's amazing. Give it a whirl. Try it out against other decks with your friends, with others, and and just see how it does. You were talking about um, having players uh, test the decks against their friends and, and getting potentially getting data that way. I'm curious because you've mentioned a lot, like talking in, uh, I believe it was the Tryhards uh, server, talking with people, uh, getting games in that way. Do you a- allow or accept submissions from people who maybe maybe just joined the server to find links, like people who who have clearly put in time and effort, might have a video. Uh, you know, might have a bunch of data collected for a deck that they've played with their friends over and over, but you know, yeah, it's it's just not from the tryhards. So you, you yeah, yeah, that kind of data too. Okay, yeah, I, so so you know, uh, the fair disclaimer as well. I'm I'm not in the the tryhards. I I don't produce those videos. I'm I I have my own podcast and stuff, and and they just have a a channel called I think slash content or something. And so if it's relevant stuff you can drop it in there and uh, there's all kinds of people that are posting you know like videos of uh stuff played or podcast episodes or anything like that you most certainly do not need to be yeah. like mm-hmm. a member of those guys to kind of show content in a space that is very much about like getting as many people interested in the format as possible gotcha okay brad i think you you wanted to say something yeah i was just going to kind of revisit the um how to tell when a brew is competitive question i think i actually put that in the show notes and it, in my mind i was thinking you know, before I got into PDH, I was pretty heavily um, 60 card popper. And then obviously the world shut down and uh, MTGO yeah. was the only way to play popper. <laughs> and I've always been a brewer. And, and for me, there was sort of a it was, it was sort of systematic on there. Like you brew up a deck, you take it into the what they call the tournament practice room, which is really just you, you just play a match, friendly match, no stakes, no nothing. It's just one match and you're done. And I would take my, my brew into there. And if it, I don't know, if I ended up after a week with it, if I ended up with a a positive win percentage or a decent win record, then I knew, or at least I thought it was competitive enough to take into a paid league. And then if it would do enough, you know, do well enough there, I would take it to the challenges, which is like the next step up from the leagues. Um, now, obviously, there is nothing <laughs> yeah. like that for PDH or anything. I just that that's where that that's sort of where mindset my mindset is as far as okay, now this brew is competitive because it has done these following steps like is there something you can give the listener to be like okay kind of step one two and three then you can take step four does that make sense Corey? do you do you want to jump on this one yeah i think uh this is kind of going back to what you said about knowing turn like how long turns usually go um or how how many turns a game usually go sorry i'm getting tongue-tied there (laughs) knowing how long a game usually goes as far as turns (laughs) and knowing what turn you're looking to go off uh, with your deck, you know, when you can assemble your combo or get critical mass if you're going with like an aggro deck or something like that. Just spending time with the deck list, knowing when you can expect to hit that, and then from there, starting to play test it with other people. Really best way to see how competitive something is, is just to play it, in my experience sure. anyway. You also kind of have to understand the 
what decks you're beating yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. You definitely want to look at the competition. what you're winning against, uh, kind of the the whole right. pod that you're going against. Are you going against other competitive decks, or do you happen to be just winning because you're going against more casual stuff? Obviously, that's uh, being aware of that. Is it a Bears companion exactly, pod? Yes. Or... <laughs> <laughs> are you going against three Tatiovas? Right. Playtesting, even if you don't win, um, just seeing how much interaction you got to deal with what was coming at you or how much interaction you had to try to stop win attempts from other players. Uh, yeah, just getting a feel for it that way, I think, is the most important thing. And once you have a good feel for it, uh, you can submit it, uh, send it our way. And, you know, if there's any small exclusions that maybe didn't occur to you when you were building the deck, I mean, we can help find those out um, and help kind of fine tune it as best as possible. Yeah, I appreciate that. Didn't mean to interrupt again. Oh, no, you're fine. Yeah, that just popped in your own podcast. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Speaking of small exclusions, if you submit a blue deck, you either need to include Gitaxian Probe or be prepared to explain why you did not include Gitaxian Probe. (laughs) That's that's what we mean by exclusion. Good call. Right. Like, why are you not playing this clearly powerful card? Whatever it may be in any color, I guess. So I I, I guess that brings us to, like, what are some brewing traps, right? Like, if if you're not submitting uh, Gitaxian Probe in your blue decks, like, be prepared to defend yourself. You know, that's a a trap to not include that card. So what are some other traps that may... uh, raise some immediate questions i know one uh one thing that i actually have a problem with i've kind of fallen into this uh trap when i'm building decks not even competitive decks it could just be casual stuff for the channel but underestimating the importance of aggro in the format is (laughs) definitely something that uh i've had an issue with i tend i am a combo player at heart i tend to only play creatures that facilitate a combo or help me get there and with how this format is i mean life totals are a little bit lower Compared to normal commander, um, aggro beatdown is a very legitimate option. That's not something you want to uh, just kind of write off. You know, I've, I've had to learn that lesson when playing. And, you know, that's not necessarily that I've been seeing that from submissions, but it's definitely something that's easy to kind of fall into. Yeah, I... I right, so e- okay. easy yeah. to forget yeah. about. I would parrot that and say uh, you can't forget that your opponents are out for blood, especially when you're gold fishing. And one of the the clearest traps of just like, yeah, oh, if I just keep drawing cards, eventually I draw the right ones. That's crazy. Uh, And just remembering that people are. If no one interacts with me for 10 turns, my deck does what it's supposed to do. Or like, here's a cool seven card combo. My entire Shiray deck depends on no interaction. Yeah. (laughs) I I feel like most of my brews rely on that. Okay. Yeah, I've had a whole deck shut down by a single Evan Card Justice. I could just sit there like, well, I can't play, so... (laughs) Uh, If if I can interject quickly with another, I think, trap. I think if your deck does not run Honored Heirloom, I'm able to justify that. Yeah. Like, sort of of same like a taxi probe. I'm not not saying... If you're trying to be competitive, I totally agree. It absolutely has to be in every single deck. I'm saying... You either need to put it in your deck, or you need to have a very good reason not to. Mm-hmm. And you should be prepared to articulate that reason. Hmm? Cackles and Relic of Progenitus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, like Relic yeah. is another one that should be yeah. in a lot of decks, I think. Yeah. It's... it's... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I... I think... No, no, you're, you're good. I think I gave this, uh, this example when Papa Popper was on the show with us, but... It was right when I first really got hardcore into into PDH and I was brewing decks left and right because this was like all shiny and new. And I showed him some, I don't even remember now if it was blue, black or white, black or something. I'm like, hey, look at this list. What do you think? And his first question was, where's your snuff out? 
Like, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? That's not, you know, that's not a card I normally play. He's like, well, it, it kind of needs to be in there or you're going to lose. <laughs> and that was like one of my first, first like eye-opening experiences to like the competitive side of the format. Yeah, there's, there's, as, as sets get better and better, we're getting more and more staples, which of course that's, that's the same with any sure. of these uh, eternal formats, but it's, it's definitely honored heirloom relic uh snuff out probably sign in blood uh any of the transmute cards if you're in the transmute colors it's it's really just like do you have how do you try to win how can you get there what are the various different like contingency plans you have and how do you plan to fight back against all major strategies i think is the the big one like do you have a way to deal with graveyards you have a way to deal with you know spells on the stack or creatures and you know, that's that's why we see a predominant number of blue and black decks, because they have the best of everything w- through various color pie breaks and various yep. things as well that uh, Naya <laughs> hasn't quite hit yet. But we did see a Rocco deck make it through uh, submissions this time, using it just as a creature tutor to get, uh, I think, like a Presence of God combo. Okay. Oh, is it? Is that Yalorons? Oh, nice. I don't know. I know he was working on I one. Don't th- it might be like Nate Diggity 7, and I'm sorry if oh. I... Forget that name. I believe. I believe it was. That sounds uh, correct. Yeah, it was someone who submitted a a Rocco and a um, Brunor list, and and the Rocco one made it in, and Brunor is is back trying to be you know cleaned up a bit and see if see if there's something there. Hmm. Okay. So then, sorry, I, I was distracted looking at the, at the guy's <laughs> site. <laughs> right. So uh, after the the brewing traps, and then people have theoretically you know brewed a. a a functional deck that contains all relevant removal uh, and then has gathered data. What are some of those commanders you would like to see? Cause sure. then I know the, I know the database is, is, is kind of full up and, and it's got a bunch of variety, but like you were just saying, you know, there's a lot of uh, commanders that include blue and or black, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of Naya in there. What, what are some commanders that you think could potentially get there? If, if someone kind of pours a little bit of love into it. I don't know if it... Well, hope, hopefully Bear's Companion. Yeah. I, was, I, was gonna, I swear to God. Yeah. As the only team of No one said Bear's Companion. I was going yeah. to leave. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said it without any prompting. This is yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you. Learn. You, yeah. you, can, you can come back onto the show sometime. You've passed the test. I don't know if it's, uh, it, it's, it's got competitive capability, but I really want to see Valda, Keeper of the Flame. That was like my first uncommon not even commander i when brawl was first announced with the original not original but the the first return to dominaria in 2018 i built up a valduk brawl deck that was all just commons i could get free from a local game store and that just it was so much fun to just make a a massive board of elementals and maybe what's holding that back is lack of equipment good enough at the common rarity and so i'm not sure if it'll ever crack the, Mm -hmm. the competitive side but I'd be so happy if it did. I, I would argue that what's holding its back is probably a lack of any meaningful way to protect Valduk. Yes. In like mono red, need... it's a bit difficult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mono red is, is yeah, rough. Yeah. 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 You, you can Goblin Matron to tutor for the Goblin Surgeon. And mm-hmm. That will spare you from a snuff out, but like, yeah, that's. It's, you can it's, yeah. hope that Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast find their way into your hand that, and that, that's it you're <laughs> that's the end it. of your list of protective spells yeah champion of the flame had the same problems too like you could get him huge and deadly wrist, but yeah. then all it takes is uh, uh, yeah a one mana spell and your toast they just set you back to turn like zada is probably explosive enough to sort of overcome that 
Mm-hmm. It, in terms of mono red competitive lists, but I, I, so. I don't think Valdic has the explosiveness yeah. to get the same distance out of a single mono red commander. I think we've got a Zada list that's currently uh, submitted that we're we're kind of going through and, and I'll have to check that doing. out. I, I'm actually uh, this Saturday when we do the stream, it's our we're going to do a CPDH stream, Ooh. and Dave's going to be on the show, and I think I'm going to play Zada. That's one of two CPDH decks I have built in paper. So Zada puts in work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give that a whirl and see how it does. So but it's good to hear that Zada's strong, you know. Like, like you guys were for the points you guys were just talking about, it's running mono red is always kinda sketchy. Mm-hmm. Always kinda worrisome, but we shall see. Yeah. See I I, I I am familiar with Zada as a concept. And I know a <laughs> lot of its um a lot of its key combo pieces are already at common. I think one of them is like Fist of Flames. Is that a common Yes, Fist of Flames That's a good is one. common. Yeah. But I know it's missing the the one key one that makes mana for three life, right? Uh, makes yeah. mana for three so like, life. Like goblin or something that's like pay three I, life, get a red. He, yeah, he it's, something. No, it's a uh, it's an ogre with dethrone from conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Treasonous ogre. Yeah, treasonous ogre. That's it. So Zada is yeah. The lack of treasonous ogre, the lack of fast mana, makes Zada a little bit less explosive than otherwise. But like, yeah, all of the major combo pieces are still there. Fundamentally, you just want to play Cranko's command and Hordling Outburst, <laughs> and then yep. Zada. A bunch of ancestral anglers like, and or angers. And, yeah, yeah, you like a single brute strength followed by a single like team or battle rage. Yeah. Yep. It can can get you you know a hundred damage each. Yeah. Yeah, real yeah. fast. So yeah, it does, she doesn't need fast mana. What she needs is a couple of other combo decks to burn through all of their counter spells, <laughs> trying to stop each other, to create an opportunity for no one to counter spell Zada, so she can win in a single turn. Exactly. Right. That's yeah. Yep. That's exactly what you need. Yeah. A lot of luck and nobody to interact meaningfully. <laughs> yeah. Because as soon as they start to interact meaningfully, you're kind of boned. <laughs> you have no recourse. Yeah, you're kind of boned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, start over from scratch, pretty much. Uh, now, Corey and Chev, I did want to ask if either of you have decks on the database. Uh, currently, I I don't have any, but uh, okay. hopefully that will change soon. I, I've got my uh, Duskmantle Guildmage uh, Persistent Petitioners um, deck on there from one of the, the first times we did this new submission period style, and that's that's what... I, I submitted that and then joined the the committee shortly after, so that's that's my contribution to to CPDH. Not not oh, okay. one of the the most powerful, but it's it's so much fun to play and and kind of attack people in their libraries. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm glad Mill has at least some sort of outlet <laughs> in this format. It helps I, that it's supported by the two best colors, so you can kind of uh, you can yeah. get a, right. you can get away with a lot when you're in uh, UB. Now we just need that thrumming stone to be downshifted. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Took, took twenty-ish. <laughs> yeah, took, that. <laughs> yeah, it took twenty-ish years to get a reprint. How long do you think it'll be you to get that downshifted? Another twenty? Yeah, I can I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Same amount of time for a popper wanna... uh, horizons or popper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Popper masters. Oh no. Popper masters. Yeah. Or just another Baldur's Gate mm, set. Yeah. That yeah. would work. I have a deck that it's it's not on the DDB. It's something that I I designed to bring into some competitive metas like as as a joke. Like there's <laughs> there was an event uh a couple <laughs> a couple months ago, a very prominent home base member named Corrigan managed to play a couple consecutive uh, competitive games on the the home base server and for whatever reason each of these games took more than three hours and went for like twenty eight turns. Jesus. Um <laughs> 
because everyone was just controlling each other. It was it was a bunch yeah. of combo control decks, and they were just shutting each other down. And so I at the time I joked around. I was like, I'm gonna make a ruin crab deck that's just <laughs> counter spells and lands, and I'm gonna bring it into one of these like control. And then I actually like. I thought about it and I was like, that might actually work. Like you have access to high tide ghostly flicker combos. You can just like sure. flicker the lands over and over again to get that mill. Like in the meantime, like you're you're not yeah. the threat. No one's gonna spend any removal or interaction on you. You're just gonna slowly mill people out. And so I put it together and I I've weirdly won a couple competitive games with this pile of garbage. <laughs> and like with, without ever comboing either. Like I, I was playing against one game in one game where Mentir had half the Tetiova combo. He didn't have the payoff, so he just started drawing mm -hmm. an unlimited number of cards. And I was like, yeah, do it! <laughs> and then he didn't find what he needed, and I decked it. Like, That's amazing. What, it isn't, was, there a, isn't there a word for that? Like, meta buster or something? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, and this, oh, I've heard that before, This yeah. is very much a meta buster for, like, the, the PDH home base. <laughs> Their meta is very, like, combo control centric. Like, I would... Mm. I would hesitate to take this into a tryhards meta because they're much more focused on aggro and mid range and like really punishing the slow decks. Yeah, which is why the, right. the turn counter has dropped so significantly. <laughs> yeah, so it wouldn't work there. But like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Brad just mentioned wanting to see Mill on the DDB, and I'm like, I want you to know, I've thought about it. I have, I have a deck. <laughs> I haven't submitted it yet, but it's 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 in my brain. Yeah. I am always thinking about mill. It's it's a fun fun thing to do, and especially like I, I mean, mill mill itself is difficult, right? In in a four player format, because you have so many, and that's where right. dusk mantle guild mage um, just comes in so powerfully with the first ability of whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere this turn, that player loses a life. So you're you're milling twelve cards with four advisors uh, or the uh, persistent petitioners and but you're really killing them with damage like <laughs> i i, I right. have managed to build someone <laughs> i think they were playing around me uh so it was like a, a mix of competitive and non-competitive pod but for the most mm -hmm. part you're, you're just hitting people for for 30 damage off of like one or two activations of the petitioners and hopefully getting something like a dramatic reversal in there yeah oh, it's like yeah, the most interesting non-combat damage kill yeah, ever. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sir I, I haven't takes at, offense <laughs> i haven't looked at your list um i'm a huge fan if i'm doing tribes at all i'm, I'm a huge fan of changelings are you running changelings or anything with your so they are all so they're advisors, advisors. Yeah, yeah so that was one of the things i kind of brought up in my initial idea i had all these like sort of cutesy ideas and kind of what was brought up at the beginning of the pod was like how many of those times was I glad to have one of those things versus do I wish it was just another persistent petitioner? <laughs> oh, so sure, sure. Most of the time I was like, you know, I would just be better off with another one of these guys as opposed to something that technically counts as an advisor. Because like at least at, at this, the, the level that it's trying to compete at, having something that just has maybe like a, a, a keyword or something, maybe it flies, is like not as effective as getting to that four uh, advisors on the field and then being able to do something with it. We, we it does get a little cute with tech like uh echoing return of course returning all creature cards with the the same name from your graveyard to your hand uh, yeah, yeah or um or uh -huh. using things like cards that care about oh, what is it path of ancestry because dusk mantle yeah. guild mage is a human and all the petitioners are also humans and so you mm -hmm. get a little yep, bit yep. of that tribal synergy in there but it is largely tribal because they're all the same creature <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I guess what? my last question is, is there a timer for stuff being on the database? Like once something is on the database, is it there forever? Is it there for until the next cycle? Is it there for two cycles? 
at what point do people maybe have to update their submission with more data or maybe an updated primer because new sets have come out? What's that process look like? So Corey's actually got something pretty exciting for this. Uh, he's, he's been doing Ooh. a lot of work behind the scenes um, to kind of address some of these questions. Okay. Yep. So I have a Python script that I've been working on that kind of scrapes the deckless database and also each mox field list for all these. And one of those things that I'm checking is that last updated text. I'm, I'm grabbing that and kind of throwing it into a spreadsheet so we can see, you know, how often is each deck being updated? And um, I don't think we have a like set specific time, but if something starts lagging behind where it hasn't been touched in a couple months, I think uh, you know we're we're definitely reaching out to create to the creator and seeing if they're still maintaining it or if there is a reason they haven't updated it within new cards or oh, so it it is going to be something that you're you're monitoring sort of ongoing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That, that's um, very and cool. In addition to that. Um, while I'm checking that, the Python script's also uh, grabbing every card that's being used. So we have a very rudimentary list of cards and how many times they occur across the, the deck lists on the database. So we're slowly working towards uh, getting a little bit of that extra data um, while also making sure everything's fairly updated. Excellent. That was a good question. I wouldn't have thought about something like that. But yeah, I guess... Especially with the the rate that Watsi's pumping out products, you imagine yes. decks are getting <laughs> getting updated yeah. fairly frequently. I say I'm not a competitive player by any means. Uh, any any listener of the show should know that. <laughs> but I am familiar with what you all are doing and and with the just regular competitive EDH database. And I know their database is pretty brutal. Um, like I think you have to. I think you have to submit every single rotation. It might be like wow. every other, but. I, I know it gets pretty brutal. Like people who have made the submission several several months or even a year in a row, like get kicked off all the time because their deck is all of a sudden no longer deemed competitive by these requirements. So I didn't know how y'all were handling that. That sounds awful. <laughs> yes, I mean, kind of awful. Like, yeah. uh, you know, looking at every deck every period. Uh, I don't think yeah. anyone has that amount of time. Oh, and they I, do. I, <laughs> yeah, magical people. Um, yeah. I, mm-hmm. Hopefully that's not something that we have to deal with, especially at the the PDH level where yeah. you're not having as high high powered things each time, and and we're still very much like trying to grow the database in terms of you know understanding there are so many different strategies out there that you can play competitively in PDH, um, but we we also want to make sure even though we're like kind of open to the entire community to submit stuff like what Corey's working on that everything is kind of kept up to date and still you can expect a certain um, amount of um, that it's quality. like a recent build. Yeah, quality. Uh, when you go to the database and you pull a deck off to play with your friends. We're, we're not looking for abandoned wear uh, in, a, in a lot of these projects. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you guys ever get decks submitted where you're like, the 99 is awesome. Change your commander and you're probably competitive. Because I'm really bad. Like, I'm decent at actually building the 99, but I'm really bad about picking a commander because I just want it to be like Johnny, like fun. Yeah. I think we got one or two in the first period. Where it was like, you know, there are better commanders for this strategy. And I, I think sometimes it's one of the the like quote unquote rules we have for submission is like we have multiple lists with the same commander as long as they do a different strategy. So I know sometimes mm-hmm. people will try to have a very similar list to an existing commander, but do it with oh, a different they just commander. The front man. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, it, it does this work and it's like, well, yes, but it's it's currently being done better, uh, unfortunately. So it's hard to kind of push that one unless it's bringing anything new to the table. Uh, but we don't, I don't think we see a lot of those because, you know, so many PDH decks are really 
reliant in some capacity on their commander doing something because the gap between a common creature and an uncommon is usually pretty high. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I actually had anything else. What about you, Dave? I have no more questions. I'm just kind of quietly panicking because the <laughs> right now I have exactly one list on the DDB. Uh -huh. And it's it's not the main list that I use for this deck. Oh, yeah. I have I have a so, so I I I should mention part of the submission requirements involves that every single you you need to use the the cheapest printing of each card and you need to the the deck's name needs to follow a certain naming convention. And I've I've had a Moxfield list up for my Marsh Crocodile deck for like years yeah. that has all the all the cards foiled and it uses a name that I'm like really proud of because I named it in like 2013 and it just <laughs> yeah. amuses me. Yeah, it's nostalgic. So in, uh -huh. instead of changing those things, I just like copied the list. I, I created a second Marsh Croc list that followed these these rules, these these requirements, and I don't think I've updated it since like April. So now I'm I'm panicking about Corey's python script it's he's gonna up. find me he's, he's gonna know so like yeah i've just like i've updated the list a lot of times like candle yeah. keep sage is a as a powerhouse in this deck and it's in the other list i just need yeah. to go through and make sure they match it, it's that it's that difficult thing of like you know since we're, we're trying to produce this thing for the community we're trying to make it as accessible as possible and i i particularly remember with marsh crocodile like when everything's blinged out that is a expensive deck even by edh standards <laughs> yeah and so it's yeah. mostly the counter spell <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> which is right. even like it's insane to think about and 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 so one of the the things that we were at least trying to push with some of these rules is like kind of like where do you fall on the you know we're, we're trying to make sure that we get all decks that represent what the competitive meta looks like from everywhere in the popper universe for people that want to submit but also if you're a newcomer coming in what is the easiest way for you to kind of ingratiate and ingratiates the wrong word but kind of like come to terms with the deck you see and it's like oh wow you know <laughs> this is 30 bucks i can i can i can't even hit the card kingdom minimum uh for free shipping with this for free deck. Shipping, right? yeah <laughs> and it, but it's like good enough that i can play it um and and i definitely know it's, it's got to be hard to keep those two things in sync um probably the the, the biggest things that are, are working for you is currently uh Corey's script does not become self-aware yet so it doesn't yes. delete the, delete the decks from the database without you know that step of reaching out to the creator but i'd also say um like even even if that one lags behind make sure and i'm sure you do i'm just not looking at it currently you have the link to your actual list like right at the top of that primer and it's like if this uh, looks I... like it's missing a key card go here and see like my you know my pride and joy of seven hundred dollars of crocodile because that would be that would do wonders to making sure that people like have that link and then it can show the most up-to-date version i'm really glad that you opened awesome. that idea i'm glad you you said that idea because it's brilliant and i'm glad you opened it with i'm sure you already did this because <laughs> by the time this episode gets published right, right. it will be true <laughs> it will be no true. one will suspect anything else yeah, yeah you got about three days <laughs> tick tick tock uh, -huh. uh but yeah i think that pretty well covers it i'm gonna throw for the listeners i'm gonna put all these links down in the uh, episode details we're gonna have twitter handles links to various discords youtube channels the cpdh guide uh liam's got the link for the jaya ballard what is it a memorial page is that what it is <laughs> so we'll put that in there budget brews all that kind of good stuff so all these resources will be at your fingertips and you can always email us or, you know, hit us up on any one of these um, outlets. And that's kind of what we'll go over now. If you, if you want any more popper commander talk or anything like that, you have any questions, you can email us at the show 
at thepdhpod at gmail.com. Um, you can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website, Discord server, or pretty much any of the links that I'm going to post below. Uh, you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and at Popper underscore B. Alcadron, Dave Vader. He's going to be just about anywhere PDH is being talked about. And like I said, I'll put all those links down below. Uh, is there anything else, Corey or Chev, you guys want to get out there before we sign off for the week? Um, nothing I can think of. Like I said, your links and everything are going to be uh, in the show notes, but just to yep. add it here, um, you can find me on Twitter at, at dark underscore confidants. Um, okay, you can perfect. also find our YouTube channel from there as well. So we just do random pauper stuff not really competitive not really <laughs> casual it's just a weird mix yeah no it's pretty fun pretty fun youtube channel uh chev you want to throw your um hex drinkers twitter out there or your yeah. personal twitter or what have you yeah yeah we're uh you can probably find me most frequently over at at hex drinkers just like the the card but with an s on the end that we're, we're, we're usually covering everything from edh to to pdh and all the stuff in between but we've, we've definitely been leaning a little bit more towards the popper side so Stay tuned for some fun stuff. Yeah, awesome. Uh, huge thanks for coming on again. I'm glad we could get this set up between, you know, getting you both both on here. Big thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, really this fun. Is awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we'll have to work on another crossover for a, a set review. You know, they come out about every three or four weeks yeah, now. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, just have to, we'll just have to pick one, so. And uh, thanks for telling us we should keep an eye on that uh, crocodile, you know. I, it wasn't even in my uh, radar, but. Yeah. Now that we know oh. it's been four months, uh -huh. <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs> <laughs> See how he slipped that in there. All right. Well, as episode 12 of the PDH pod comes to a close, uh, we want to give one big last thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from all of us in here to all of you out there, brew a deck, play some games, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers.